Good morning. Welcome to All Souls Unitarian Universalist Church on a beautiful spring day. I've lost count of how many weeks we're, we are into spring. Um, but we come together here to support each other in our spiritual journeys and to work collectively to make this world a better place. Whoever you are, whatever your age, race, origin, orientation, background, identity, or status, if you care to be here with us, you are welcome. Um, we honor diversity. We know that this is a cherished part of our heritage and history. To that end, we do our best to treat respectfully people with differing paths and opinions. This is our challenge and this is our covenant. Whatever uh, is going on around here, mostly it's been listed in our little inserts and we hope that you'll join us for stuff. Um, if you have questions about the church, if you have questions about the denomination, if you have questions about membership, um, there are people in the foyer after the service that can answer those questions. Ron, who is in the back right there, can help. And um, also, if you'd like to receive the newsletter or have a call from somebody on staff, you can fill out one of the blue cards and put it in the uh, offering basket a little bit later on in the service. We wanted to thank uh, our board president is absent today. He, he usually gets up and tells everybody who came to Building and Grounds Day and everybody who came to Highland Blessing Dinner, thank you. But if you were a part of either of those, if you would stand so we could thank you. All right. We'd like to remind you that everything that gets done around this place is done by the members. And one of the best ways to get to know other people in this church is to come work beside them, whether it's stuffing envelopes or uh, cleaning windows or, you know, tearing down brick walls. Um, which happened yesterday. And uh, we have things that are suited to all abilities, and we hope that you will take seriously the idea that this place is run on your time, talents, and treasures. And I hope you'll come join us uh, when you can. Uh, okay. This is the part of the service we turn off our silence, all the distractions. We gotta turn off or silence your distractions. I didn't hear any of them going off. That worries me. <laughs> we are called to worship this morning with words from Edward Everett Hale. And when I thought of this quote and when I looked it up, I read that it had also been misattributed to Helen Keller. It's, it's, in fact, there were several memes, you know, with the quote that, that credited Helen Keller, who must have said it at one time and who certainly lived it with her life. And Helen Keller came up in my life this week also, which I will tell you more about um, in a little bit. But for now, these words from Edward Everett Hale. I am only one, but still I am one. I cannot do everything, 
but still I can do something. And because I cannot do everything, I will not refuse to do the something that I can do. Can I have the pre-K, K-1 class up here to help us with the chalice lighting? And actually, the second through fifth graders, if you would like to help us with this too, because you know the second part a little better. Thank you, Solomon. Cooper, can you help us? And if I can have my bolts to come and light the chalice, please. These are our bearers of light and tradition. Today we have um, Gretchen Upton and um, Avery Bivens. to celebrate Unitarian Universalism. Wait, let's stop and let them catch up. It's written in your order of service so that you can participate with us. We light this chalice to celebrate Unitarian Universalism. This is the church of the open mind this is the church of the helping hand. This is the church of the loving heart. May we walk in grace and may the mystical light of the universe shine upon our path as we dedicate ourselves to seeking those things, both personal and universal that will make this world a better place for all. In association, in association with other Unitarian Universalist congregations, we have identified, identified seven principles and six sources upon which our congregation builds and from which our tradition has emerged. Through the year, we lift these up a few at a time for our consideration and focus. Every week, we celebrate our first principle, which is the inherent worth and dignity of every person. Every week, we celebrate our first source, direct experience of that transcending mystery and wonder affirmed in all cultures which moves us to a renewal of the spirit and openness to the forces which create and uphold life. As spring takes hold, we appreciate the resurgence of life that surrounds us and runs through our own veins. During this part of our church year, our focus becomes the web of life. We look at our place as an earthling by acknowledging our seventh principle, respect for the interdependent web of all existence of which we are a part. The other lighted candles represent the principles and sources we have previously highlighted. And now if you will rise in body or spirit and say with us the unison affirmation, it's printed in your order of service. Love is the doctrine of this church. The quest for truth is its sacrament and service is its prayer to dwell together in peace, to seek knowledge and freedom, to serve human
And now Cooper Gibson is going to help us all sing this little light of mine. So let's rise again in body or spirit. And we're talking about today about doing something, about what what we can do. And so part of that is deciding on what is the right thing to do. And our second through fifth graders got these little, um, actually not these little sheets, but another little sheet from the UU Kids book. It's on. It's pictured on the cover of your order of service. And it's kind of a checklist. They actually laminated them in their class and took them home. It's kind of a checklist. When you need to think about doing the right thing, that these are some questions that you can ask yourself. And this is their teacher, Jocelyn. Their other teacher was Jack Schmidt, and he was helping out in the nursery today. So they already know most of these answers, but they have these little cheat sheets just in case they get stage fright and they can actually read it from the paper. So um, during this pillar, we learned a lot of different ways to act for peace and justice, and we got this page of questions last Sunday. I didn't, but they did because I wasn't here, but (laughs) that they can use to help them uh, when they're having a hard time deciding what the right thing to do is. And the list is from the UU Kids book, and it's handy for us as grown-ups as well. So I'm going to read um, the question to them, it's supposed to be as a UU kid, what the questions you ask yourself, but I find myself asking the same questions to me whenever I'm choosing something to do. So um, when you're trying to decide what to do, um, what to do, whether it's right or wrong, you just ask yourself these questions. So. Will it hurt anyone? Our first UU principal teaches us that every animal is important and valuable, so we would never want to cause any harm to another animal. And humans are also animals. That's right. Right. Good point. Is it fair to everyone? Our second principal. Our second principal teaches us to treat people fairly and kindly. Because we value every person and because we are all connected, we are called to treat everyone always with kindness. Will I feel okay with myself if I do this? In this pillar, we talk a lot about peace and one important kind of peace is the peace we feel within ourselves when we know we have done the right thing. Sometimes it takes a lot of thinking and wondering what it's best to do. But we can usually tell by this feeling of peace in our minds and hearts. Is it for our life and family? 
our seven principal teachers us teaches us to take care of the earth, the home we share with all living things. We try to do our best not to do things that are harmful to the earth. We recycle at home and church. We reuse many things we can. We do our best to save energy, water, and we never throw trash on the ground. Am I thinking for myself? Sometimes I may need to ask advice from my parents, teachers, or other people I trust. But along the way, I am learning how to make good decisions for myself. Asking myself these questions will help me learn to do that. So typically we have about four to five kids in each class. Um, sometimes we have up to eight or nine, but um, so we're missing a few of them today. And we just have a little bit more participation. But these kids really stepped up for their fellow classmates and did two apiece. So thank you so much for helping me. Thank you. And in this place where we can help each other to make these decisions, we will now receive the gifts of the people. You do not have to be rich or famous or even an adult to make a difference in the world. Many people who feel passionately about injustice in the world speak up about it. And speaking up can take many forms because different people have different ways of expressing themselves. This is one example. In 1992, the country of Bosnia-Herzegovina was involved in a civil war. In a civil war, different groups within the same country fight against each other for control, and war always affects not just soldiers, but everyday people too. This war was no different. One day at 4 o'clock, a bomb exploded in the city of Sarajevo and killed 22 everyday people who were just waiting in line to buy bread. Near the bakery lived Vedran Smilovich. Sometimes he himself bought bread at that bakery. He was so upset by this violence in his hometown that he decided to speak up. The day after the bombing, at 4 o'clock, he entered the square where the bomb had exploded. He sat down, and he began to play the cello. You see, Vedran Smailovich was a cellist with the opera orchestra in Sarajevo, and music held a special place for him. It was a soul practice, as we talked about this morning in our, in our adult class. And it was through his music that he decided to speak to anyone who would listen about what had happened in that bakery line. For the next 22 days, one day for each person who had died at exactly 4 p.m., Mr. Smilovich played the same piece of music, Albanoni's Adagio for Strings. Mr. Smilovich said his music was a daily musical prayer for peace. When he spoke up, people listened. A young boy in Indiana, Jason Crow, 
started a fundraising project called The Cello Cries On to raise money to build a statue for the city of Sarajevo to be placed on the side of the bakery. It is a statue of dancing children called the Children's International Peace and Harmony Statue. Jason hoped it would not only honor those who had died, but might remind everybody of the high price too many people pay in war and inspire people to work harder for peace. Although the statue never made it to Sarajevo, the good news is that Sarajevo is at peace and the statue is now in the Peace Sanctuary Sculpture Park in British Columbia. It might be unreasonable to expect people, it is unreasonable to expect people never to disagree or argue. That is not what most people mean when they talk about working for peace. They hope we will someday have a world where people will settle their differences not with violence, but by peaceful means, by negotiation. For the children and youth here in the room, perhaps your generation will listen to all of those speaking up for peace and war will finally become a thing of the past. Someone in a terrible act of violence took the lives of 22 people in Sarajevo. No one remembers that person's name, but the people who reacted to that violence, not with more violence, but with a call for peace and reconciliation. We do remember. We honor them by passing on their story. And when you tell their story, and when you tell your own story, you are speaking up for peace as well. We take this with us into the silence. We're talking about doing something. So our middle school and high school class are going to talk to us about the different ways that we can do something. Yeah, I'm Noah Wagstaff, and I've been in uh, charge of teaching the middle school and high school for about a year now. Um, I'd like to thank uh, Ken Peterson for helping teach a few of the classes and uh, John Allen and uh, Steve Caldwell for also teaching some of the classes. Um, and uh, without further ado... In this pillar, we talked about social justice and some of the issues facing the world today. At the end of the pillar, we went over the differences between social action and social justice. In this context, social action can mean bettering the community through devoting your time, money, or resources for good causes. Some of the ways our church is involved in social action is through our monthly participation in the Highland Blessing Dinner and the Angel Tree and Present Drives around Christmas. Social, social justice, on the other hand, is about bettering society by influencing policy to protect and better the lives of those that do not have a voice or who are unprotected by the law. In the past few years, our church has been involved in swinging policy in the direction of equality by helping raise awareness and campaigning against the open burning of the military accelerants M6 at Camp Minden that would release immense amounts of carcinogens into the surrounding environment. And for decades, we have been striving towards marriage equality for gays and equal opportunity for women. In our unison affirmation, it says that service is our prayer, or is our prayer bettering the community and taking action against inequality is not as simple as a pleasing our conscience, it's our religion. 
So this week, I mentioned Helen Keller earlier, this week for the first time I'm pretty sure in my adult life, and definitely for the first time in many years, I watched The Miracle Worker, the film based on the play that's based on the lives of Helen Keller and her teacher, Annie Sullivan. Helen, as I'm sure many of you know, but but all of you may not, um, was struck deaf and blind by an illness in infancy. She was about six months old. Um, And Annie was the teacher who taught her sign language by having her feel the, the letters of the alphabet in her hand and eventually taught her to speak by feeling the shape of someone's mouth when they said certain words. An amazing accomplishment on both of their parts. And the movie was playing, of course, because we lost Patty Duke this past week. And the performances by Patty Duke and Anne Bancroft were stunning. And I have no idea how down to the point accurate they re- accurately they reflected the experience of Annie Sullivan and Helen Keller. But I know without a doubt that that was a singularly transformative experience for both of them. With the help of surgeons and teachers who saw something in her, Annie overcame her own blindness to go on to open up a life for Helen Keller that would have been completely unimaginable without her intervention. And I have no doubt that this process was every bit as grueling as the movie portrayed it, if not more so. What struck me, though, was not only the scenes of their sessions together, but one scene in which Annie was reading from the Perkins School report on her. I was so struck by it that I actually looked up the script of the play online. She was reading out of the Perkins report on herself, and it said, Perkins was her school that she went to, the Perkins School for the Blind. Can nothing be done to disinter this human soul? The whole neighborhood would rush to save this woman if she were buried alive by the caving in of a pit and labor with zeal until she were dug out. Now if there were one with as much patience as zeal, he might awaken her to a consciousness of her immortal. And there the monologue is interrupted as it um, goes to a flashback from her childhood. But I keep thinking of that phrase, to disinter the human soul, to, to unbury it, to free it from being trapped. And of so many people who are trapped in one way or another in prisons not of their own making, whether in debt to payday lenders or subject to discriminatory laws passed by dinosaur governors who are still flailing in the tar pits of several states, or the trap of choosing between food and health care, the trap of not having access to reproductive health care, like the woman in the film we will see in a couple of weeks, which is called Trapped, and the people even in actual prison who don't belong there. And then I think of that next line. Now, if there were someone with as much patience as zeal, because zeal may get us fired up to take on the cause, but patience is what will win the day. Patience is what will bend that arc towards justice. I always picture all of us kind of jumping up to grab it and bending it towards justice. We truly cannot do everything, but each one of us can do something, whatever our age, whatever our ability. Write the letter 
make the phone call, pay the visit, pay the visit again, pay the visit with signs and friends, sign the petition, do all those things with a friend or two or 20. We can do something. And maybe with enough of us doing something, who knows, we might one day do everything. Barbara has written a song that expresses this, I think, better than just about anything I know. And so I'd like you to sing with us, I Can Work for Peace and Justice, which is in the little pillar songbook, in the blue folder, in the pew in front of you. And it's page five. These are the words of Eric Williams. Blessed is the path on which you travel. Blessed is the body that carries you upon it. Blessed is your heart that has heard the call. Blessed is your mind that discerns the way. Blessed is the gift that you will receive by going. Truly blessed is the gift that you will become on the journey. May you go forth in peace. Thank you. Thanks to everybody, all the kids and teachers.